Krishna, welcome back to the daily readings of Srila Prabhupada's books. Oh dear devotees, out there in cyberspace, wherever you are, uh, right here in the live studios in Hythe, Kent, Southeast England, right next to the English Channel, which I'm looking at right now through the window. Um, we're here, and every day, reading the Srimad Bhagavatam or books related to the Bhagavatam because all of the books that the Goswamis wrote and the commentaries of all of our previous acharyas, including Srila Prabhupada, uh, the, the basis of all of it is the Bhagavad Gita and Srimad Bhagavatam. And Vedavyasa is the editor of all the Vedas and, on the, and the Puranas. And finally, when he finished all of that, then he wrote Vinanta Sutra to summarize the, the Upanishads, which are the spiritual aspects of the Vedas. And then he finally wrote the Mahabharata to summarize all the Puranas from it, with his own writing. But still he was not completely satisfied. And that amount of work is inconceivable to us or to anyone, actually. He's a literary incarnation of Krishna, literally. And he wasn't satisfied, so Narada Muni shows up just at that time and, and explains to him that you've, you've done such a wonderful work, but you haven't made it clear, you know, who is the Supreme Personality of Godhead and how he is the source of all the Vedas and his, his, him to be worshipped. So he said, you need to write, you need to, uh, write a literature that does that without anything else without any speculation, without any karma kanda, without any jnana kanda, without any yogi kanda. And so he went into trance on the order of Narada Muni and he saw Krishna, he saw the external energy, he saw the jiva, he saw everything. And the, and the Srimad Bhagavatam was revealed to him. So therefore, the fact is that the Srimad Bhagavatam was then passed on to Shukadev Goswami and it is no longer found in the same way in the Vedas as it was before. It's only to be found in the Srimad Bhagavatam. And he empowered, he bypassed even Pila, who was the one of his biggest disciples who was, you know, given the Rig Veda, you know, to be the authority of the Rig Veda, given by by Vyasadeva, but he bypassed him and he gave the Srimad Bhagavatam to Shukadeva Goswami. So through the lips of Shukadeva Goswami, the cream of the Vedas is available and it's available nowhere else. Here is Sanatana Goswami's glorification of that Srimad Bhagavatam. Srimad Bhagavatam Mahimastotram. It goes like this. Sarva Shastrabdipi Yusha, Sarva Vedaika Sarpala, Sarva Siddhanta Ratnaja, Sarva Lokaika Vdrik Prada. O nectar from the ocean of all scriptures, singular fruit of all the Vedas, rich mine of the precious gems of all conclusive truths, you are the only giver of sight to all the worlds. Sarva Bhagavata Prana. 
Srimad Bhagavata Prabhu Kalidvan Duritaditya Sri Krishna Parivartita O life heir of all the Supreme Lord's devotees O Master Srimad Bhagavatam You are the sun risen in the darkness of Kali You are the exact image of Sri Krishna Paramananda Pataya Premavarshakshadayate Sarvadasavasevyaya Sri Krishnaya Namostume I bow down to you who is supremely blissful to read. Your every syllable pours down a flood of prema. You can always be served by everyone. You are Sri Krishna himself. Madekabando Matsangin Madguru Man Mahadana Manistadagamad Bhagya Mad Anandana My only friend, my constant companion, my spiritual master, my great wealth, my savior, my good fortune, my source of ecstasy, I bow down to you. Asadu Saduta Dayin Adini Chachatokara Hanamunchagadachin Mam Premnarit Kantayokspura. O bestower of saintliness to the unsaintly, O exalter of the most fallen, please never leave me. Always appear in my heart and my voice with pure love. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya So we reach the 34th chapter, Rasalila, pastime has occurred. Vidyadara, Vidyadara liberated and the demon Shankachuda killed. Once upon a time, the cowherd men of Vrindavan, headed by Nanda Maharaj, desired to go to Ambikavana to observe the Shivaratra, Shivaratri ceremony. The Rasalila was performed during the autumn. And after that, the next big ceremony is Holi, or the Dolayatra ceremony. Between the Dolayatra ceremony and the Rasalila ceremony, there is an important ceremony called Shivaratri, which is especially observed by the Shaivites, or devotees of Lord Shiva. Sometimes the Vaishnavas also observe this ceremony because they accept Lord Shiva as the foremost Vaishnava. But the function of Shivaratri is not observed very regularly by the Bhaktas, or devotees of Krishna. Under the circumstances, Srimad Bhagavatam states that Nanda Maharaj and the other cowherd men once upon a time desired. This means that they did not that they were not regularly observing the Shivaratri function, but that once upon a time 
They wanted to go to Ambikavana out of curiosity. Ambikavana is somewhere in Gujarat province and it is said to be situated on the river Saraswati. Yet we do not find any Saraswati river in Gujarat province. Although there is a river named Sarbamati. In India, all the big places of pilgrimage are situated on nice rivers like the Ganges, Yamuna, Saraswati, Narmada, Godavari, and Kaveri. Ambikavana was situated on the bank of the Saraswati, and Nanda Maharaj and all the other cowherd men went there. They very devotedly began to worship the deity of Lord Shiva and Ambika. It is the general practice that wherever there is a temple of Lord Shiva, there must be another temple of Ambika or Durga, because Ambika is the wife of Lord Shiva and is the most exalted of chaste women. She doesn't live outside the association of her husband. After reaching Ambikabana, the cowherd men of Vrindavan first bathed themselves in the river Saraswati. If one goes to any place of pilgrimage, his first duty is to take a bath and sometimes to shave his head. That is the first business. After taking a bath, they worshipped the deities and then distributed charity in the holy places. According to the Vedic system, charity is given to the Brahmanas. It is stated in the Vedic Shastras that only the Brahmanas and the sannyasis can accept charity. The cowherd men from Vrindavan gave the Brahmanas cows decorated with golden ornaments and beautiful garlands. The Brahmanas are given charity because they are not engaged in any business profession. They are supposed to be engaged in brahminical occupations. As described in the Bhagavad Gita, therefore, namely, they must be very learned and must perform austerity and penances. Not only must they themselves be learned, but they must also teach others. Brahmanas are not meant to be Brahmanas alone. They should create other Brahmanas also. If a man is found who agrees to become a Brahmana's disciple, he is also given the chance to become a Brahmana. The Brahmana is always engaged in the worship of Lord Vishnu. Therefore, the Brahmanas are eligible to accept all kinds of charity. But if the Brahmanas receive excess charity, they are to distribute it for the service of Vishnu. In the Vedic scriptures, therefore, one is recommended to give charity to the Brahmanas, and by so doing, one pleases Lord Vishnu and all the demigods. The pilgrims first take a bath, worship the deity, and give charity. They are also recommended to fast one day. They should go to a place of pilgrimage and stay there at least for three days. The first day is spent fasting and at night 
they can drink a little water because water does not break the fast. The cowherd men, headed by Nanda Maharaj, spent that night on the bank of the Saraswati. They fasted all day and drank a little water at night. But while they were taking rest, a great serpent from the nearby forest appeared before them and hungrily began to swallow up Nanda Maharaj. Nanda cried out helplessly, My dear son, Krishna, please come and save me from this danger. This serpent is swallowing me. When Nanda Maharaj cried for help, all the cowherd men got up and saw what was happening. They immediately took up burning logs and began to beat the snake to kill it. But in spite of being beaten with burning logs, the serpent was not about to give up swallowing Nanda Maharaj. At that time, Krishna appeared on the scene and touched the serpent with his lotus feet. Immediately upon being touched by the lotus feet of Krishna, the serpent shed its reptilian body and appeared as a very beautiful demigod named Vidyadhara. His bodily features were so beautiful that he appeared to be worshipable. Here, uh, there was a luster. Uh, there was a luster and effulgence emanating from his body. And he was garlanded with a gold necklace. He offered obeisances to Lord Krishna and stood before him with great humility. Krishna then asked the demigod, You appear to be a very nice demigod and to be favored by the goddess of fortune. How is it that you performed such abominable activities that you got the body of a serpent? The demigod then began to narrate the story of his previous life. My dear Lord, he said, in my previous life I was named Vidyadara and I was known all over the world for my beauty. Because I was a celebrated personality, I used to travel all over in my airplane. While traveling, I saw a great sage named Angira. He was very ugly and because I was very proud of my beauty, I laughed at him. Due to this sinful act, I was condemned by the great sage to assume the form of a serpent. One should note here that before being favored by Krishna, a person is always under the modes of material nature. However elevated he may be materially, Vidyadara was a materially elevated demigod and he was very beautiful. He also held a great material position and was able to travel all over by airplane. Yet he was condemned to become a serpent in his next life. Any materially elevated person can be condemned to an abominable species of life if he is not careful. It is a misconception that after reaching the human body, one is never degraded. Vidyadhari himself 
stated that even though he was a demigod, he was condemned to become a serpent. But because he was touched by the lotus feet of Krishna, he immediately came to Krishna consciousness. He admitted, however, that in his previous life he was actually sinful. A Krishna conscious person knows that he is always the servant of the servant of Krishna. He is most insignificant and whatever good he does is by the grace of Krishna and the spiritual master. The demigod Vidyadra continued to speak to Krishna. Because I was very proud of the exquisite beauty of my body, he said, I derided the ugly features of the great sage Angira. He cursed me for my sin and I became a snake. Now I consider that this curse by the sage was not at all a curse. It was a great benediction for me. He had, not, had he not cursed me, I would not have assumed the body of a serpent and would not have been kicked by your lotus feet and thus freed from all material contamination. In material existence, four things are very, are very valuable. To be born in a decent family, to be very rich, to be very learned, and to be very beautiful. These are considered to be material assets. Unfortunately, without Krishna consciousness, these material assets sometimes become sources of sin and degradation. Despite Vidyadharas being a demigod and having a beautiful body, he was condemned to the body of a snake due to pride. Therefore, from this incident we can learn that those who are too proud of their material assets or who are inimical toward others are degraded to the bodies of snakes. A snake is considered to be the most cruel and envious living entity. But even those who are human beings and are envious of others are considered to be even more vicious than snakes. The snake can be charmed or controlled by mantras and herbs, but a person who is envious cannot be controlled by anyone. My dear Lord, Vidyadhara continued, Now, since I think I have become freed from all kinds of sinful activities, I am asking your permission to return to my abode, the heavenly planets. This request indicates that persons who are attached to fruitive activities, desiring promotion to the comforts of higher planetary systems, cannot achieve their ultimate goal of life without the sanction of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. It is also stated in the Bhagavad Gita that the less intelligent want to achieve material benefits and therefore worship different kinds of demigods but they actually get the benedictions from the demigods through the permission of Lord Vishnu or Krishna. Demigods have no power to bestow material profit. 
Even if one is attached to material benedictions, he should worship Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and ask Him. Krishna is completely able to give even material benedictions. There is a difference, however, between asking material benedictions from the demigods and asking them from Krishna. Dhruva Maharaj worshipped the Supreme Personality of Godhead for material benediction, but when he actually achieved the favor of the Supreme Lord and saw Him, he was so satisfied that he refused to accept any material benediction. The intelligent person does not worship the demigods or ask favors from them. He directly becomes Krishna conscious. And if he has any desire for material benefit, he asks Krishna, not the demigods. Vijadara, awaiting Krishna's position to return to the heavenly planets, said, Now, because I have been touched by your lotus feet, I am relieved of all kinds of material pangs. You are the most powerful of all mystics. You are the original, supreme personality of Godhead. You are the master of all devotees. You are the proprietor of all planetary systems. And, I, and therefore, I am asking your permission. You may accept me as fully surrendered unto you. I know very well that persons who are constantly engaged in chanting your holy name attain release from all sinful reactions. And certainly, persons who are fortunate enough to be personally touched by your lotus feet are freed. Therefore, I am sure that I am now relieved from the curse of the Brahmana simply by seeing you and being touched by your lotus feet. In this way, Vijadra got permission from Lord Krishna to return to his home in the higher planetary system. After receiving this permission, he circumambulated the Lord and offered his respectful obeisances unto him, and then he returned to his heavenly planet. Thus, Nanda Maharaj was relieved of the imminent danger of being devoured by the snake. The cowherd men who had come to execute the ritualistic function of worshipping Lord Shiva in Ambika finished their business and prepared to return to Vrindavan. While returning, they recalled the wonderful activities of Krishna. By relating the incident of Vindhadara's deliverance, they became more attached to Krishna. They had come to worship Lord Shiva and Ambika, but the result was that they became more and more attached to Krishna. Similarly, the gopis worshipped goddess, goddess Katyayani to become more and more attached to Krishna. It is stated in the Bhagavad Gita that persons who were attached to worshipping demigods like Lord Shiva, in, it is stated in the Bhagavad Gita that persons who were attached to worshipping demigods like Lord Brahma, Shiva, Indra, and Chandra 
for some personal benefit are less intelligent and have forgotten the real purpose of life. But the cowherd men, inhabitants of Vrindavan, were no ordinary men. Whatever they did, they did for Krishna. If one worships demigods like Lord Shiva and Lord Brahma to become more attached to Krishna, that is approved. But if one goes to the demigods for some personal benefit, that is condemned. After this incident, on a very pleasant night, Krishna and his elder brother, Brahma, who are inconceivably powerful, went to the forest of Vrindavan. They were accompanied by the damsels of Brajabhumi, and they began to enjoy their company. The young damsels of Braja were very nicely dressed and anointed with pulp of sandalwood and decorated with flowers. The moon was shining in the sky, surrounded by glittering stars. The breeze was blowing, bearing the aroma of malika flowers, and the bumblebees were mad after the aroma. Taking advantage of the pleasing atmosphere, Krishna and Balarama began to sing very melodiously. The damsels became so absorbed in their rhythmical song that they almost forgot themselves. Their hair loosened, their clothes slackened, and their garlands began to fall to the ground. At that time, while Krishna, Balarama, and the damsels were so much absorbed, almost in madness, a demoniac associate of Kuvera, the treasurer of the heavenly planets, appeared on the scene. The demon's name was Shankachuda, because on his head there was a valuable jewel resembling a conch shell. Just as, it, just as the two sons of Kuvera had been puffed up over their wealth and opulence and did not care for Narada Muni's presence, this Shankachuda was also puffed up over material opulence. He thought that Krishna and Balarama were two ordinary cowherd boys enjoying the company of many beautiful girls. Generally, in the material world, a person with riches thinks that all beautiful women should be enjoyed by him. Shankachuda also thought that since he belonged to the rich community of Kuvera, he, not Krishna and Balarama, should enjoy the company of so many beautiful girls. He therefore decided to take charge of them. He appeared before Krishna, Balarama and the damsels of Braja and began to lead the girls away to the north. He commanded them as if he were their proprietor and husband, despite the presence of Krishna and Balarama. Being forcibly taken away by Shankachuda, the damsels of Raja called out the names of Krishna and Balarama for protection. The two brothers immediately began to follow them, taking up big logs of the shala wood in their hands. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, they called to the gopis. We are coming at once to chastise this demon.
very quickly they reached Shankatruda. Thinking the brothers too powerful, Shankatruda left the company of the gopis and ran in fear for his life. But Krishna would not let him go. He entrusted the gopis to the care of Balarama and followed Shankatruda wherever he fled. Krishna wanted to take the valuable jewel resembling a conch shell from the head of the demon. After following him a very short distance, Krishna caught him, struck his head with his fist and killed him. Then he took the valuable jewel and returned. In the presence of all the damsels of Raja, he presented the valuable jewel to his elder brother, Balarama. Thus end the Bhaktivedanta purport of the 34th chapter of Krishna, Vidyadara liberated and the demon Shankachuda killed. Haribo. All glories to the wonderful pastimes of Krishna. Gaur Premanandi. Hari Hari Bo. All right, now we're close to 7.50. Here we are. This is, this is happening every night lately. <laughs> 7.50. We only got 10 minutes to 8. And we're at 35. How long is it? You were looking at the book yesterday. How long is it? I've been staying up too late lately. Huh? About the same as this, like the one we just read. Well, that one took us half an hour. Huh? Okay, we'll go ahead. Hare Krishna. Chapter 35 The Gopi's Feeling of Separation The Gopis of Vrindavan were so attached to Krishna that they were not satisfied simply with the rasa dance at night. They wanted to associate with him, enjoy his company, and enjoy his company during the daytime also. When Krishna went to the forest, with his cowherd boyfriends and cows, the gopis did not physically take part, but their hearts went with him. And because their hearts went, they were able to enjoy his company through strong feelings of separation. To acquire this strong feeling of separation is the teaching of Lord Chaitanya and his direct disciples, the six Goswamis. When they were not in physical contact with Krishna, when we are not in physical contact with Krishna, we can associate with him like the gopis through feelings of separation. Krishna's transcendental form, qualities, pastimes, and entourage are all identical with him. There are nine different kinds of devotional service. Devotional service to Krishna in feelings of separation elevates the devotee to the highest perfectional level, to the level of the gopis. It is stated in Srinivasacharya's prayers, prayer to the six Goswamis, 
that they left the material opulences of government service and the princely status of life and went to Vrindavan, where they lived just like ordinary mendicants, begging from door to door. But they were so much enriched with the gopis' feelings of separation that they enjoyed transcendental pleasure at every moment. Similarly, when Lord Chaitanya was at Jagannath Puri, he was in the role of Radharani, feeling separation from Krishna. Those who were in the disciplic succession of the Madhva Gaudiya Sampradaya should always feel separation from Krishna, worship his transcendental form, and discuss his transcendental teachings, his pastimes, his qualities, his entourage, and his association. That will enrich the devotees to the highest devotional perfection. Feeling constant separation while engaged in the service of the Lord is the perfection of Krishna consciousness. We'll read that again. Feeling constant separation while engaged in the service of the Lord is the perfection of Krishna consciousness. The gopis used to discuss Krishna amongst themselves and their talks were as follows. My dear friends, one gopi said, do you know that when Krishna lies on the ground, he rests on his left elbow and his head rests on his left hand? He moves his attractive eyebrows while playing his flute with his delicate fingers and the sound he produces creates such a nice atmosphere that the, that the denizens of the heavenly planets who travel in space with their wives and beloveds stop their airplanes, for they are stunned by the vibration of the flute. The wives of the demigods who are seated in the planes then become very much ashamed of their singing and musical qualifications. Not only that, but they become afflicted with conjugal love and their hair in tight clothes immediately loosen. Another gopi said, My dear friends, Krishna is so beautiful that the goddess of fortune always remains on his chest and he is always adorned with a golden necklace. Beautiful Krishna plays on his flute. Beautiful Krishna plays his flute in order to enliven the hearts of many devotees. He is the only friend of the suffering living entities. When he plays his flute, all the cows and other animals of Vrindavan, although engaged in eating, simply take a morsel of food in their mouths and stop chewing. Their ears raise up and they become stunned. They do not appear alive, but like painted animals. Krishna's flute playing is so attractive that even the animals become enchanted. And what to speak of ourselves? Another gopi said, My dear friends, not only living animals, but even the inanimate objects like the rivers and lakes of Vrindavan also become stunned when Krishna passes 
with peacock feathers on his head and his body smeared with the minerals of Vrindavan. With leaves and flowers decorating his body, he looks like some hero. When he plays on his flute and calls the cows with Balarama, the river Yamuna stops flowing and waits for the air to carry dust from his lotus feet. But the river Yamuna is unfortunate like us. It does not get Krishna's mercy. The river simply remains stunned, stopping its waves, just as we also stop crying for Krishna in expectation. In the absence of Krishna, the gopis were constantly shedding tears. But sometimes, when they expected that Krishna was coming, they would stop crying. But when they, when they saw that Krishna was not coming, then again, they would, they would, be, they would become frustrated and, and begin to cry. Krishna is the original personality of Godhead, the origin of all Vishnu forms, and the cowherd boys are all demigods. So just as Lord Vishnu is always worshipped and surrounded by different demigods, like Lord Shiva, Lord Brahma, Indra, Chandra, and others, when Krishna traveled through the Vrindavan forest or walked on Govardhan hill, he was accompanied by the cowherd boys. While walking, he played his flute just to call his cows. Just by his association, the trees, plants, and other vegetation in the forest immediately became Krishna conscious. A Krishna conscious person sacrifices everything for Krishna. Although the trees and plants were not very advanced in consciousness, by the association of Krishna and his friends, they also became Krishna conscious. They then wanted to deliver everything, whatever they had, namely their fruits, flowers, and the honey incessantly falling from their branches. When Krishna walked on the bank of the Yamuna, he was seen nicely decorated with tilak on his face. He was garlanded with different kinds of forest flowers and his body was smeared with the pulp of sandalwood and tulsi leaves. The bumblebees became mad after the fragrance and sweetness of the atmosphere and began to hum. Being pleased by the humming sound of the bees, Krishna would play his flute and together the sounds became so sweet to hear that aquatic birds like cranes, swans and ducks were charmed. Instead of swimming or flying, they became stunned. They closed their eyes and entered a trance of meditation in worship of Krishna. One gopi said, My dear friends, Krishna and Balarama are nicely dressed with earrings and pearl necklaces. They enjoy themselves on the top of Govardhan Hill and everything becomes absorbed in transcendental pleasure when Krishna plays on his flute, charming the whole created manifestation. When he plays, the clouds 
stop their loud thundering out of fear of disturbing the vibration of his flute. Instead, they respond with mild thunder and so congratulate Krishna, their friend. Krishna is accepted as the friend of the cloud because both the cloud and Krishna satisfy the people when they are disturbed. When the people are burning due to excessive heat, the cloud satisfies them with rain. Similarly, when people in materialistic life become disturbed by the blazing fire of material pangs, Krishna consciousness gives them relief like a cloud. The cloud and Krishna, having the same bodily color also, are considered to be friends. Desiring to congratulate its superior friend, the cloud poured not water but small, but small flowers and covered the head of Krishna, just like an umbrella to protect him from the scorching sunshine. Once the gopis told Mother Yashoda, My dear mother, your son is very expert among the cowherd boys. He knows all the different arts of how to tend the cows and how to play the flute. He composes his own songs and to play them he puts his flute to his mouth. When he plays, either in the morning or in the evening, all the demigods, including, including Lord Shiva, Brahma, Indra and Chandra, bow their heads and listen with great attention. Although they are very learned and expert, they cannot understand the musical arrangements of Krishna's flute. They simply listen attentively and try to understand, but they become bewildered and nothing more. Another gopi said, My dear friends, when Krishna returns home with his cows, the footprints of the soles of his feet with flag, thunderbolt, trident, and lotus flower, relieve the pain the earth feels when the cows traverse it. He walks in his stride, which is so attractive, and he carries his flute. Just by looking at him, we become lusty to enjoy his company. At that time, our movements cease. We become just like trees, and stand perfectly still, unaware that our hair and clothes are loosening. Krishna had many thousands of cows, and they were divided into groups according to their colors. They were also differently named according to color. When he would prepare to return from the pasturing ground, he would gather all the cows. As Vaishnavas count 108 beads, which represent the 108 individual gopis, so Krishna would also count on 108 beads to count the different groups of cows. When Krishna returns, he is garlanded with tulsi leaves, a gopi described him to a friend. He puts his hand on the shoulder of a cowherd boyfriend and begins to blow his transcendental flute. The wives of the black deer become enchanted upon hearing the vibration of his flute. 
which resembles the vibration of the Veena. The deer come to Krishna and become so charmed that they stand still, forgetting their homes and husbands. Like us, who are enchanted by the ocean of the transcendental qualities of Krishna, the she-deer become enchanted by the vibration of his flute. Another gopi told Mother Yashoda, My dear mother, when your son returns home, he decorates himself with the buds of the kunda flower, and just to enlighten and gladden his friends, he blows his flute. The breeze blowing from the south carries a pleasing atmosphere because it is fragrant and very cool. Minor demigods like the Gandharvas and Siddhas take advantage of this atmosphere and offer prayers to your son by sounding their bugles and drums. Krishna is very kind to the inhabitants of Rajabhumi, Vrindavan, and when he returns with his cows and friends, he is remembered as the lifter of Govardhan Hill. Taking advantage of this opportunity, the most exalted demigods like Lord Brahma and Lord Shiva come down to offer their evening prayers and they accompany the cowherd boys in glorifying the qualities of Krishna. Krishna is compared to the moon, born from the ocean of the womb of Devaki. When he returns in the evening, he appears that, it appears that he is fatigued, but he still tries to gladden the inhabitants of Vrindavan by his auspicious presence. When Krishna returns, garlanded with flowers, his face looks beautiful, adorned with golden earrings. He walks into Vrindavan with a stride, just like the elephants, and slowly enters his home. Upon his return, the men, women, and cows of Vrindavan immediately forget the scorching heat of the day. Such descriptions of transcendental Krishna's transcendental pastimes and activities were remembered by the gopis during his absence from Vrindavan. They give us, they give us some idea of how attractive Krishna is. Not only to human beings, but to all animate and inanimate objects. In Vrindavan, everyone and everything is attracted to Krishna, including the trees, plants, the water, and animals like the deer and cows. That is the perfect description of Krishna's all-attractiveness. The example of the gopis is very instructive to persons who are trying to be absorbed in Krishna consciousness. One can very easily associate with Krishna simply by remembering his transcendental pastimes. Everyone has a tendency to love someone. That Krishna should be the object of love is the central point of Krishna consciousness. By constantly chanting the Hare Krishna mantra and remembering the transcendental pastimes of Krishna, one can be fully in Krishna consciousness and thus make his life sublime and fruitful. 
Thus end the Bhaktivedanta purport of the 35th chapter of Krishna, the gopis' feelings of separation. Hare Krishna. All glories to the gopis of Vrindavan who teach us the method of remembering Krishna so simply. Just remembering how he walks and how he smiles and how all the living beings respond to his flute. Just by remembering those things while we chant Hare Krishna will give us perfection of life. Hare Krishna. 808. Paka. All right, I'll stop the reading tonight. And if there are any reflections, I mean, every sentence is a reflection. Every word is nectar. I have this realization that even if we can't recall these things word for word in our minds, if you just keep hearing them from these books, it's non different. It's actually non different. Even if you can't control your mind and remember these things, you know, while you're chanting. If you just chant and then hear. It's so simple. And therefore, the mind goes, oh, anyway, and then goes over. No, but if you can learn to just focus your mind when you hear, and I'll, I'll tell you, frankly, when you read out loud, it helps you to focus your mind on these things properly. I highly recommend it. Hare Krishna. Okay. Rati Manjari says Jai Guru Maharaj. Oh, Rati, Rati, Jai Rati Manjari. Hare Krishna. Jai Srila Prabhupada. From Gopakanya Devi Dasi. Gopakanya Devi Dasi. Hare Krishna. She says, Hare Krishna, dear Maharaj, and all friends, all glories to Srila Prabhupada and your daily readings of Sri Krishna Katha Maharaj. Hare Krishna, thank you. Sudevi Dasi says, Hare Krishna Maharaj. Hare Krishna Sudevi Dasi. This is from uh, Marcel. Marcella? Marcel. Marcel. He says, Hare Krishna Maharaj, thank you for your enlightened readings. All glories to your divine grace. All glories to his divine grace, Srila Prabhupada. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Thank you. From Ananda Murta Devi Dasi. Hare Krishna Ananda Murti. She says, Dear Guru Dev, please accept my humble obeisances. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Jai Srila Prabhupada. Thank you so much for daily reading of Srila Prabhupada's books. I pray Krishna to take away my false pride like Shankasura. <laughs> Good prayer. We should all pray like that. Please, Krishna, take away my false pride so I can remember you in humility, in all humility. Hmm. From Bhakta Rupa. 
Hare Krishna Bhakta Rupa. He says, thanks for reading tonight, Maharaj. Hearing about the sound of Krishna's flute is a bit maddening. <laughs> Don't have the ability to imagine how must it sound to have such an effect on everyone and everything. Mm. Would love to hear it. Mm. That's a nice desire. So if you keep hearing the descriptions of it, especially Srila Prabhupada's descriptions of it, because I don't know about you, but when I hear these descriptions, you know, through Prabhupada's thoughts in his mind, it's very powerful. Hare Krishna. From Vilas Manjari. Vilas Manjari, Hare Bowl. She says, Hare Krishna Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances. This is Vilas Manjari from Sydney. Hari Bowl. Nice to have you back. She says, thank you so much for your readings. I've been listening every day to the recordings and relishing Krishna book. Hari Bowl, Hari Bowl. It's so nice to be here live today. I really appreciate it in the pastime of Nanda Maharaj traveling to perform worship of Lord Shiva, how whatever the Vrajvasis do, the result of their activities <laughs> always results in increasing their love and attachment to Krishna. Yes, beautiful, thank you. Nice, nice reflection. Whatever we do, it should remind us more of Krishna and increase our affection and attachment for Krishna. And if that's happening, we're on the right track. And if it's not, if it's causing us to forget Krishna, then we should think twice, <laughs> change our desire in our mind and our activities. Hare Krishna. And something from Daitari Hari Das. Daitari Dari. Daitari Hari. He says, Hare Krishna Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Jai, all glories to Prabhupada. I really liked the description of how even the clouds started to rumble softer as if yeah. to congratulate Krishna in the presence of him playing his flute. And not wanting to disturb the flute, but not wanting to cover it over, wanting to embellish it, yeah, like accompany it, yeah. Nice. He also has a quick question. Hmm. It says, we read tonight that, quote, feeling constant separation while engaged in the service of the Lord is the perfection of Krishna consciousness. Unquote. Yeah, I read that twice. He said, how is that separation properly expressed from a neophyte devotee still affected by the lower modes of nature? You can't feel separation from Krishna if you're still affected by the lower modes of material nature, period. Therefore, our inspiration to become free from the lower modes of material nature should be awakened by these pastimes. That's the beginning hearing from a neophyte position. We should want to be able to hear and not be influenced by passion and ignorance and not be able to hear properly. You can't hear properly if you're influenced by passion and ignorance. Not possible. But still, they're so powerful because they appear to be similar to, you know, an adventure or romance or whatever. They attract even persons in the lower modes of nature. 
but to, to put to remember them properly like you, you're saying is not possible and feel separation from them while those while we're in passion and ignorance not possible therefore make a goal make a goal rise up above therefore krishna says trigunya vishaya veda nistrigunya bhavarjana we're supposed to rise above the modes of nature even goodness what to speak of passion and ignorance So that's how to develop the proper ambition. Rupa Goswami said, if you want to live in this material world and, and not fall, then you must make it your ambition to serve Krishna. That's the right desire. The ambition to serve Krishna. Please, let me serve you in, with feelings of separation. So that desire expressed regularly and properly according to the prayers that we hear in the Bhagavatam will attract Krishna's attention. I heard Gopi Puranadana Prabhu say the other day that when we're in the lower modes of nature, even though Krishna is our guest in our hearts, we're such poor guests, we're hosts, that we just fill up our heart with more dirt and filth. But as soon as we start to hear about Krishna and get interested, at some point, Krishna, he gets attracted and he starts to clean himself. So this comes from cultivation of the right desire. Cultivate the right desire. Keep cultivating the right desire. Practice, practice, practice until finally your desire comes. To, to, to want to remember Krishna while we're serving and feel separation of Krishna while we're hearing and serving. That will bring us to the perfectional stage very quickly. Hare Krishna. Thank you very much, everyone. We hope that you enjoyed the reading of Krishna's book tonight as much as we did. Uh, Hare Krishna. Sri Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Ki Jai. Samaveda Bhakta Vrinda, Ki Jai. Gaur Premanandi, Hari Hari Bo. See you tomorrow night. Same place, same time, same topic. Krem, de la Krem, de la Krem, de la Krem, de la Krem. Hari Krishna.